Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Let's begin at the Mishnah, towards the bottom of Nuntesma Beis. Hashalech es be'erbiyad chereshot ve'katon. Somebody who sends a fire in the hands of someone who's incompetent, a deaf-mute, someone who's insane, or a minor. Pater bedine adam, the sender, is exempt in the hands of man, meaning in court, an earthly court. Rechai bedine shamayim, but he is held liable in the court of heaven. Shalch b'yapikach, if a pikach sent in the hands of another pikach, so two healthy, competent people that are responsible, one sends in the hand of the other, a pikach So the person who is the messenger, who was sent in his hand, if he is responsible, so he is liable. Echad hevi esa'ur, if one person brought the flame and another person brought the wood, maybe it's Eitzim Chayev. This is sequential. The second person brought the Eitzim, the wood, so he is liable. Conversely, if first somebody brought the wood and then somebody brought the fire, maybe it's Eitzim Either way, it's the second one who is liable, who is really making things happen. If a third party comes and starts making the flame catch on the wood, blows the fire up, so the third one is if a wind came and blew this flame into the wood and started a fire, a large fire, that then the wind did it and the other parties are exempt. If not for the second or last one, the first one didn't do anything. Let's see the Gemara. Amr Shlokish, Mishmede Chizkiah. Shlokish says in the name of Chizkiah, The context of the Mishnah is discussing where he gave over a coal, and he blew at the coal and fanned the flame. Aval Masrlo Shalheves Chayev. But if he gave a flame, then he will be liable. My taimo, my sergagamolo. His actions caused this. So therefore he'll be liable. So Rishlokish is limiting the, the reduction in liability to a case of a gechelas, of a coal, as opposed to a flame. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. Even if what he sent was a flame, he will still be exempt. My time off. 
Yochanan says still, the tool to hold this torch, whatever is holding the flame, <coughs> that is in the hand of the cherish, of this deaf mute. So he's got the, the pliers or the tongs. He's holding on to this hot torch. So that is causative. And he will not be liable, according to Rabbi Yochanan, until he gives him, Rashi says, coats him, the thorns, salto, eats and dakim, some pine twigs, with the candle, the shraga. So he has to give him both a live flame as well as extra fuel, and then send him on his merry way. Hmm. According to Rabbi Yochanan. There, Rabbi Yochanan will agree, certainly in such a case, the sender is the, the one who has caused this damage from the fire. Look at the Rambam. This came on Somebody sends the bear as a boar, it's, it's flame in the hands of a deaf mute, someone who's insane or a minor, potter, he's exempt in court, but in the heavenly court he's liable. When do these words apply? Like what Shlokish said, the name of Chizkiah. They gave over to these parties, these irresponsible parties, a gacheles, a coal, the bua, and then they fan the flame of the coal. The general expectation of a coal is that if left alone, it will extinguish on its own and will not set off a big fire. But if he gave them an actual flame, then the sender is liable in the hands of the, of the court of man. Says the Magad Mishnah, Why are we passing like Chizkiah? Because he's the Rebbe of Rabbi Yochanan. So generally, the rule is, Machlokis, Rebbe and Talmud, passing like the Rebbe. Also, another Svara, says the Magad Mishnah, who is quoting Chizkiah's Rishlokish. Sounds like Rishlokish agrees with Chizkiah. And even though normally in Machlokis, Rabbi Yochanan, Rishlokish, passing like Rabbi Yochanan, who's Rishlokish's Rebbe, but over here there's an added Siyua, and added support for the opinion of Chizkiah, and that Rosh Lakish agrees with that. So, Chizkiah is a Rebbe of Rabbi Yochanan, and Rosh Lakish agrees. Therefore, the Psaac is like this Shita, not like Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says it's not enough. If he gave the fire, he also has to give him more tinder. Continuing the Gemara, the second line from the top of Psalm of Amar Aleph, Sholach b'yad pikeach, ha'pikeach chayev. If somebody who's responsible sent in the hands of another person who's responsible, the pikech is chayv, the responsible party who actually 
carried forth this damage is liable. Amar of Nachman Vayitzchak, Madatani Valibo, Lo Mishtabish, Madatani Nibo, Lo Mishtabish. Of Nachman Vayitzchak says, apparently, we didn't see this, but apparently there are two versions of this Mishnah. Libo is a Lashon that we have in our Mishnah, and also Nibo. And he validates both texts. Man Nitani Libo, Lo Mishtabish, the one who has a girsa, like what we have, Libo, to fan a flame, is not an error. Dersiv, as the verse states, Belabas Eish, concerning the snet, says, in the flame of the fire, Uman Detani Nibo, Lo Mishtabish, and the alternate text that says Nibo is also not in error. We have another Pasik in when it creates the utterances of the lips. So, what does that have to do with this? How does Nibo work? Rashi says, Nibo, when a person speaks, his lips move and wind comes forth. So, it's like blowing from his his words. The Loshan Nibo as being a source of wind, albeit a fairly faint wind, is an adequate exposition. Although Libo, like our Mishnah says, is more straightforward. Akopanim, both texts are being validated by Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. If the wind came and ignited, spread this fire, they are all exempt. Tonarabana, our sages taught, Libo the Libsaruach. If the person caused the fire to expand and the wind came and also expanded it, if his own, the person's causing this flame to be fanned and expanded is adequate, he's able to do the job by his own work there, so he'll be liable. But if it's inadequate what he's doing and it was required for the wind to come and assist him, then he'll be exempt. Amai, why is that the case? Why don't we say it's comparable to one who winnows, that he throws up this cracked grain on the bottom of the threshing floor, and the wind comes and separates the chaff from the grain. That's Zoret. One of the Why don't we say that even though he needs the wind to help him for this separating process, he is considered liable. It's his action. Abaya says, what, what are we discussing over in this case? Where he fanned the flame on one side, and the wind came on the other side. Rashi. As we mentioned, Zura is one of the Malachas on Shabbos, it's one of the Avos Malachas, winnowing. Even though the wind is assisting him, Magbiat Fua, Virachas, Shekorin, 
when he lifts up the grain with his pitchfork, when he throws it up into the air, he is liable for Zer. On Shabbos. Mitzad Acher. In the case where they're not working together, that this is by his answer, he is fanning the flame on one side and the wind is coming from, from the other side, there is no synergy, and therefore it is going to be such a case that he will be exempt. Rava Omar Kigon Rava says a different mahala that. He was fanning the fire with a wind that was common, expected, standard breeze. And the wind coming is talking about a tempest, a surprise gale of wind that was not to be expected. When he started fanning the flame, there was just a small breeze, not anything strong. It wouldn't be enough to really ignite the flame. And then a wind came that was atypical, a strong gust of wind. He was not anticipating this strong gale of wind. But on Shabbos, in order to winnow, all you need is a little breeze, and that's typical to be expected, and he intends for that to help him get his job done. Therefore, he's liable. Over here, we're talking about a case where it was atypical, and that's why he shouldn't have expected it. It was a freak accident. And he's going to be exempt. Rabbi Zeir Amar Kigon B'tzamrat Tzemurik Rabbi Zeir says another Teretz Rashi B'tzamrat Tzemurik Loshon Ishsa Tzemirta As described in Shabbos Amazayim A burning fever Hamimus Heat Kilomash Lo Nofach Mamish Ela B'neshima He didn't really properly push the wind, blow the wind onto this coal to get it really started into a flame, but rather just with his breath. Like someone who warms up by blowing onto his hands. That is not adequate for libwe, for stoking the coals in order to get the flame going. You need to get some bellows out, really put compressed wind onto those coals to get the oxygen in there and get the fire working. It's not, it's not enough to just do a little uh, a, a little heat from his mouth. It's, it's the wind that's doing it. Which is interesting that this seems a, a bit against what we saw before about the girsa of Niv Sfosayim Nibo instead of Libo. According to this Teretz, it sounds like Nibo is is really less than what would be adequate. I'll go upon him. That's the Teretz of Rabbi Zeira.
Ravashi Omar Kiamrinan Zerviruach Mesiato. Ravashi says that which we say by Shabbos, that there's a liability for somebody who winnows. He throws up this cracked grain and with the assistance of the wind separates the chaff from the kernel. That is specifically for the laws of Shabbos. He's violated the laws of Shabbos. Because the Torah looks at a fulfillment of your intention. But over here, this is just a cause. And a cause in the realm of torts is exempt. It's too indirect. That's from Ashi's Teretz. Ashi. His intention was fulfilled because he is happy about this wind assisting him and it's fulfilling his purpose. He is, he is trying to accomplish this. The fact that he is working with an element, a force in nature, does not exempt him. The liability on Shabbos is Malachas Machshevas that it is through the fulfillment of his intention. So even though it is a type of grama, but a grama that is intended is enough to be liable on Shabbos. Let's take a look in the Rambam. Again, in this game of Perkidalid, Allah Zayim. Echad Hevi Esaur, one person brought the fire. Echad Hevi Esaitzim, another person brought the wood. And maybe Esaitzim Chayat. The second party is liable when it brings the wood. If one person brought the wood and another person brought the fire, again, the second one is liable, the one who brought the fire in this case. If a third party came and with his bellows was fanning the flame and he made this fire that really is causing damage, he's going to be liable. If, if instead of that, a powerful gale that is not commonplace, not found regularly, came and fanned this flame, then all the previous parties are exempt. If one, a person, fanned the flame, and he also had help from the wind, Chayev, then he's liable. Sharei hu because he caused it. Chol ha-garem lahazik, shalim. Anybody who causes damage is liable for the full amount of damage. from his finest property. Yeshayi kol mazikin, like other damagers. Says the Ravid, Amr Avram, ve'eich lo hiflik, how could he not differentiate Kamo shmatlik b'raisa? Like we find in the b'raisa, there's this differentiation. If in his fanning the flame, there's enough force to actually cause it to ignite. Chayv, then he's liable. If his own fanning would just be enough to get the coal slightly warmer, but not really break out into flame. So we saw in the Bryson, that's not enough. So why so the Ravid asked the Kash and the Rama, why doesn't he mention that? See the Kesef Mishnah. 
So he's quoting Kosovo Rav Magiba Hasagos, Amr Avram, Ve'ech lo hiflig. How could it be that the Ramam is not differentiating? That was the Bryce that we started off with after the two dots. Libav lives a ruach, im yesh b'liwuk d'ele lavosa chayev, im lav potter. And the Ramam is not seemingly misyaches to that. Eisiso ve'letaritz. So he's quoting Magad Mishnah. The Magad Mishnah, without getting into it, blabs Yitzharach li'iyon. So, yes, Mishnah starts off quoting him, trying to work through this challenge. He has a kasha. The Magad Mishnah tries to answer this, but he says, I don't have a teretz. doesn't work. The Ramam writes himself in Perkid Aleph, the laws of Shrenim, Halacha Beis, Kukim to Ravashi, like Ravashi. So we see the Ramam does go with Ravashi. Ravashi is the last opinion, which is what you'd expect, by the way, normally. So he's bothered. Doesn't have a mahalach. Vani Omer says the Kesem Mishnah, Man yovlon me'afra demoran, Melion e'enon, who would give us from the ashes of the Master, we would fill our eyes, to lolon chaspa, loishkach magalisa tusa. Shemashu kosov ladas rabbeinu kushtu. It is true, that which the Magad Mishnah wrote, asserted about the Ramam is correct. From the words of the Ramam, we can find a resolution. He's right to send us to Shechenim. The Ramam does seem to pass like Ravashi, but we can derive an exposition from the words of the Ramam there himself. What does the Ramam actually say? Somebody who makes a pile of grain within his own property needs to differentiate to, to be at a distance. So he's got this pile. has to be at a distance from his neighbor's property. And if a wind came and caused certain parts of this pile, a motz, to to be blown off of the pile. He's got some straw, chaff, and, and clods of, of earth, some different things, the zika behem, and these get blown in the wind and cause damage. Potter, Milashalam, he's exempt from paying. Sharuchu Shasayoso, because it is the wind that was assisting in this damage. And this is the point that the Kesav Mishnah is stalling on. He's standing on this point. The Nezek, the damage, did not come from the force of the damager himself. It's clear from the Ramam's words, Why is he exempt? Because this damage is not from the direct force of the damager. But in our case, here, 
the fire is the damager. Shehu melabet naktinam ke'enachamurai kulu damrechayev. Therefore, over here, the Ramam is not Pasnek like Ravashi, differentiating between Shabbos and Nezikin, since over here, the damage is from the fire, which is from the Mazik, so it's his own force that is being amplified, as opposed to the force of the wind that is really causing the damage when this chaff goes in and blows in the wind. The, the wind is really the damaging party, not his force. It's not the damager's force. And over there he's exempt. But over here he's high. That's the way Kesa Mishnah is Mechalik, based on the words of the Ramam there. We take a look in Shulchan Aruch. Choshen Mishpat. Simen Tov Yod Ches. Sif Tes. Echad Hevi Esaur. Vechad Hevi Esaitim. Maybe Esaitim Chai. Echad Hevi Esaitim. Echad Hevi Whoever brought the second item that was necessary to start this damager is the one who's liable. If there's a third party who actually used the bellows and fanned the flame, he's going to be the third one. If a wind, a gale of wind, came that's atypical and that fanned this flame, then they're all exempt. Says the Ramah, Ve'im haruach metsuya ha'achron chayev. And if it is a typical wind, then the last one is liable. That's the tour. Ve'chenim haya haruach she'en metsuya menashev b'sha' shabah achron l'sham ha'achron chayev. And also, if it was an atypical wind that was already blowing at that time, so... He's expecting it. Right now is an atypical time. And he's working with this wind. That's in the name of the Magad Mishnah. Continues the Machaber, Libav Libsa Ruach Chayev. If the person, together with the wind, fan the flame, the person is liable. Haga. And that the Ramah continues. Like we saw the Taina of the Ravid. And some say that the one who fans the flame is not liable unless what he did was adequate without the wind. And the wind alone was inadequate to fan the flame. But if neither is adequate, neither the person's fanning nor the wind by itself would be adequate, or each one independently has enough, then the person will be exempt. And Tur and name and the base Yosef in the name of the Ravid and the Rush. And so too, some say, if both parties, that two different parties, doesn't have to be a person and the wind, two different people are fanning the flame. And neither one is doing enough to really get that fire going. Turn, that's the Mordechai. So you see, this Machlokas Ramam Ravid uh, continues, Machaber and Ramam. Let's continue in the Mishnah. Hashalech es be'er ba'ochla, eitzim, 
Oh, Avonim. If this bear, this flame or this coal, fire, was sent and consumed wood or stones, oh, Afar, or earth, Chai, scorched earth, the one who sends it is liable. Shanema, as the verse states, he says, Eish, um kotsim. If he sends forth a fire and it finds thorns, Venechal, Godish, and it consumes the pile of grain, O Hakama, or the standing grain, O Hasade, or a field, or the field, Shalim Yishalim, he shall surely pay, Mavir the one who causes flame to burn. Rashi says, O Afar, Licha Niro, the flames licked his plowed field and it caused damage. So, let's see the Gemara. Amar Rava. Rava says, Lamali, the Kasvarachmana Kotsim, Gadish, Kama, Vesadi. Why does the Pasuk need to mention four different victims of this fire? The thorns, <clears throat> the pile, the standing grain, and the field. Trichi, it is necessary. The Kasvarachmana Kotsim, if the Torah would have only written the thorns, Havamina would have thought, Kotsim Hudavchayev Rachmana, that the Torah is only obligating the one who caused the damage through, with his fire through burning these thorns. That's where the Torah is Machayev, holds him liable. Meshom de Shriach Eish de Pasha. Because thorns are often used as tinder and it's common for there to be fire nearby. And it's common for a person to be negligent. But a pile of grain, that it's not common to have a fire sitting nearby. And it's not common for a person to be negligent because it's valuable. I would have thought, no, that the Torah would not feel a need to punish him and hold the one who sent this fire with liability. Because of Rahmana. Godish, if the Torah would have just written Godish, the, the pile of grain, I would have thought that the Torah holds the person who sends the fire liable for the damage, specifically by this pile of grain, because there's a great loss, it's a big financial loss. But, but the thorns that are pretty inexpensive, I would have thought that the owner of the fire is exempt. Kama Lamali, why do I need to speak about the standing grain? Ma Kama Begali, Afkal Begali, just as the Torah specifies, Kama, that which is standing, standing grain in the field, as what the one who sends, the owner of the fire, is liable for, so to everything has to be revealed. The, the grain is standing, it's, it's visible, so to everything else that the one who sends the fire causes damage to, is also what's visible. This is all very good, according to Chachamim, but according to Rabbi Yehuda, who does say there's a liability for Tamun Ba'esh, he says even if it's hidden, if the fire comes and causes damage and something was hidden in that pile of grain, the 
one who causes the damage is still liable according to Rabbi Yehuda. What are you going to say for him? Kamalamli, why do you need it? The rabbis call Balei Koma. To include liability for all Balei Koma, Rashi says, what are Balei Koma? Those that have stature. Av Balei Even living creatures as well as trees. The Meiri is Mosif that are Kafos, they're standing, meaning if it's a, a creature that is expected to run away, then there would be an exemption for the one who sends the fire. We're talking about Balekoma that says in the area are kafos, are, are tied up. Just catching up on the previous Rashi, to Shrech Eish Gabayu, Emne Adam Mizdar Behen, Lokach Omdin, Hilkach Ikelemeimar Zeposha. By the thorns, they typically have fire nearby, and people are not typically careful because the thorns are actually next to the fire because they're used as tinder. So therefore, we could say he's negligent of a godish bought by a pile of grain, we could say it was out of his control. He was not expecting it because the fire was at a distance. This is a debate over here of Tamun. Continue back in the Gemara. So we understand what Kama is doing. For the Rabbanon, we said things that are like Kama, like the standing grain to the exclusion of things that are hidden within it. And according to Yehuda, it's teaching you, Balekoma, the animals are trees. But how did the Rabbana learn? There's a liability for animals and trees. Balekoma, Nalahu, Nafkalahu, Me'o, Hakoma. They derive from the verse says, O, or, O, Hakoma. The O is telling you something additional, or Balekoma, or those things that have stature, animals or trees. Rebuda O and Boil Chalik. Rebuda, what does he do with this O? To differentiate. That you shouldn't say that you need a liability of all these things in the verse in order to, a damage of all these things in the verse to generate liability. Saw a similar svara elsewhere by the, the damage caused by Bor. You need a drasha to tell you that you don't need each thing mentioned to actually have liability. The Rabbanon, so how do the Rabbanon know? Everybody agrees they need to have something to be machalik, to differentiate and render the damager liable even for just one form of damage. Nafklu, me'ah The Rabbanon say there's another o, o hasada, or the field. Rabbi Yehuda, rachmana, o hakama, kasav o hasada. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, the second o is just stylistic, not being used for a drasha. Sadat Lamali, what do I do with the addition in the verse of field? Lasuye Licha Nero to include what we saw in Rashi on the Mishnah. If the flames licked the plowed field, the Sirscha Avanov and caused damage to burnt the stones. And why doesn't the Torah just write the field? The fire goes out and damages the field. And then you won't need any of the others. Srikha, it is necessary to ikata rahmana sada if the Torah only would have written 
Sada, the field. I would have interpreted it as meaning anything that's in the field, but anything else not. Since the Torah said all these other things, so when it says Sada, I know it to include even a plowed field where the flames have caused damage uh, in, in such a manner and burnt at the, at the stones of the field. That I wouldn't have known had it just said Sada. I only interpret Sada that way when I see all the other damages being spoken out explicitly. Amar Rabbishim Bar Nachmeni. Rabbishim Bar Nachmeni said, Amar Bionasan in the name of Rabbionasan. Ain pranus bale olam, ela bisman shareshoim ba olam. Punishment does not come to the world other than in the time that there are wicked in the world. Vena maschelas ela minat sadikim tchila. And it does not begin other than from the righteous first. Pachet. Shnemar, based on this verse that we are working on. Kisese eish, when a fire shall go forth, umotza kotsim, and it finds thorns. Emosai eish, yotza, yotze, when does the fire go forth? Bisman shekotsim etsuinla, when there are thorns ready for it. And this metaphoric fire of punishment only begins from the righteous. Shanamar, as it stated in this verse, and it consumes the and and the pile of grain has been consumed. It doesn't say, and it will eat, will consume this pile of grain. And it has already been consumed. And the pile of grain has been consumed. It has already been consumed, indicating that the Peronius, this punishment, starts with the righteous, who are symbolized by this pile of grain, as opposed to the wicked, that are symbolized by the thorns. To the Me'iri. The Olam Al Yisrasha Adam Tochos Haroi. A person should always not desist, not be lazy, and weaken himself from rebuking those who are engaging in evil, and those who are empty. And do not consider and judge for oneself. Since those who are good are following the straightness of their heart. What does it matter to us? And for those who are empty, because punishment only comes on account of the wicked. And when it does come, it begins from the righteous. And as a smach to this concept, the darshaned metaphorically, this verse describing the damage of Eish, what is the reason the fire goes forth? It found thorns as tinder. And the verse states, and the pile of grain was consumed. It was already consumed at the beginning. Since the permission was given to the destroyer to cause destruction, does not differentiate between the righteous and wicked. 
הדוד החסיר, איוב. טס עם שעות יומס, פסום, מסס נקיים, יילק, ונאמר יחזקו כ"א, נכרת ממחות צדיק ורשע, הכל במשפט, על צד עונש. כמו שביאר מקומו, באחרון של סנהדרין, מה שכסבנו שם. מעיקרי אמונוס, ופעמים קודם עשה על צדיק לטובוסו. So setting aside all these verses, he says, also explaining the Gemara and the Hemshech, sometimes the punishment comes first to the righteous for his own benefit. Shnehemar, as it stated, because of the evil that was coming, the righteous was brought in. It's describing the death of Ishayahu, who was a righteous king. They had not done, they had not followed him, the people, in doing tshuva, gumura. There's still some hidden of Arazara. And he was brought in. The punishment that was mentioned was going to be brought after his death. But lo your eyes will not see the evil. So he was spared from this misery. And he was, reached the end of his life in peace, personally before this terrible destruction. Continuing in the Gemara. Tanner of Yosef, Ma'ay d'chsiv atem lo seitzu ish m'pesach beso ad boker. Rav Yosef taught that which is written, and you will not go a man from the entrance of his house until the morning. This warning to stay inside the house by Makas Bacheres, by the plague of the firstborn, when the free reign was given for destruction, those who were righteous had to stay indoors. The Mashchus was not differentiating between the righteous and the wicked. And not only that, in line with what we've taught from the drasha, the smach of our Pasuk, it begins from the righteous first. Shenamar, as the verse states, Bichrati mimech tzadik barasha, Pasuk in Yecheskel, and I'll cut off from you the righteous and wicked. Bochir Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef cried, Kule hai nami le'en domi. All of these are also like nothing. Kiloma Rashi says, The righteous are considered like hot air, like nothing. They're first for punishment. Abaye said to Yosef, really it's a benefit for them. As is written in Yeshaya, For because of the evil, the righteous is gathered in. To not be present, to witness this terrible suffering. Amar Rav Yehuda Amarav Le'olam Ikonis Adam Bechitov Yetzeh Bechitov person should always enter when it is light and go out when it is light, when it is already good. Not a time of uh, lurking dangers. 
Shenema, as the verse states, Atem, Osetu Ishme Pesach Beso, Adboke, this verse that we quoted just before, by Makas Bucharis. Tanarabana. Our sages taught, Dever Ba'ir, if there's pestilence in the city, Kenesra Aglacha, bring in your legs, meaning stay indoors. Shenemar, as the verse states, Vatem lo seitu ish mpesach beso aboker. This pasuk, and you shall not go forth, a man from the entrance of his house until the morning. Lech ami bo lechadorecha usigar delascha badecha. Go, my nation, come into your rooms, close your door behind you. Omer, and we have another verse. Michutz teshakel cherev. From outside, there will be the sword causing mourning. Mechadarim emo, and from the rooms indoors, there will be fear. My the Omer, why did we say a subsequent verse? In this Brisa, Chitema Animila Belelia Alvibamalo, and if you'll say that this directive is specifically at night but not during the day, Toshma, come in here. We have a subsequent verse, Lech Ami, Bo Bechadarecha, you all my nation enter into your rooms, Usagar Dilascha, and close your doors. And if you'll say, And if you'll say that that's only when there's no fear on the inside, inside those rooms. But if there is fear on the inside, when you go out, Maybe you'll think if there is fear on the inside, might as well go outside and as the saying goes, misery loves company, that you'll at least be out there with other people. Maybe you'll think that's better. Tashma, therefore, the verse comes to say, Mechutz Tishakel, Cherev. From the outside, you have this sword brandishing that is causing mourning. Chadarim Emo. And there is also fear inside the rooms. Avagav. And even though there is fear within the rooms, outside you have the sword that is more destructive. So even though there's fear inside the rooms, better to stay there. Rava, Be'idin Ritcha, Havit, Sachar Koim. Rava, in a time of anger, of divine anger, would close his window. As the verse states, Ki Allah maves For death has come up in our window. Tanarabana. Our sage is taught, If there's famine in the city, so then spread your legs, meaning get walking. Leave the city. Shanama. As the verse states, Vahirav aritz. And there was a famine in the land. Vayered Avram Mitzrayimah. Logot. Elgosham. 
And Avram went down to Egypt to dwell there. The Omer, and we have another verse. Im Omarno Novo Ha'ir. If we have said we shall come to the city, Baharav Ba'ir, Bamasnosham, and there is famine in the city and we shall die there. My Ve'omer. Why do we have a supplemental verse? And it says, if you'll say, when is the supply that the advice is given? Go out from the city. Maybe that's only when there's no risk to life. But maybe if there is risk to life, we would say, stay put. Therefore, it comes to tell you. Go and fall on the camp of Aram. If they will help us live, we shall live. Meaning, even though there is a risk, it's an enemy camp, just because you're waving white flags doesn't mean they're going to be merciful. But still, the famine was considered more dangerous. That was an imminent death, and there is the possibility of receiving mercy at the hands of the enemy camp. They're presenting themselves not as combatants. Tanarabonim. As sages ta'deva ba'ir, if there is pestilence in the city, al-yalech adam be'em tzadeh, person should not go in the middle of the road. Ibn shamalach amavis mahalach be'em tzadrochim. Because at that time, the angel of death goes in the middle of the roads. Given the Yavale Rishusa, since he is given authority, free reign in such a time, Maski Lehedja, he goes forth in the middle, he goes forth boldly. So in such a time, don't go in the middle of the road. Shalom Be'ir. But if there's peace in the city, don't go on the sides of the road. Since the angel of death does not have authority in times of peace, so he's hanging out in the dark side alleyways, hiding. So in times of peace, don't hang out there. Tonorabana. As sage is taught, first the middle wide lines, if there is pestilence in the city, a person should not enter into the shul alone. That's where the Malchamavis keeps his bags, his vessels. That's when you don't have children learning in the shul and you don't have minion there. But if you do have those things, then he could go there alone as well. Tanarabana. Kalovim bochim. A sage is taught if there are dogs crying. Malachamavis balayir. That's an indication that the angel of death has come to the city. Kalovim misachakim. The dogs are playing. Elionavi balayir. That's an indication that Elionavi is in the city. The Hanimili deles buunakeva. And that is presuming that they're not merely trying to seek the attention of a female dog. 
Yosef, Rav Ami, Rav Asi, Kamei, the Rav Yitzchak Nafcha. Rav Ami and Rav Asi were sitting before Rav Yitzchak Nafcha. Marmele, Lemamar, Shmaitza. Marmele, Lemamar, Agadita. And Rav Ami and Rav Asi wanted Rav Yitzchak Nafcha to say over some Torah, but they were arguing over what they wanted to hear. One wanted to hear over Halacha, one wanted to hear over Agada. Pasach Lameimer Agata. Rabbi Yitzchak Nafa started to say Agada. Lo Shavikmar. But the other Talmud didn't let. He said, I'm not interested. Pasach Lameimer Shmaitza. So Rabbi Yitzchak Nafa said, Okay, I'll teach you Halacha. Lo Shavikmar. The other Talmud didn't let. Amlehem, Emshalchem, Marshal, Madavadome. Rabbi Yitzchak Nafa said, I'll give you a parable to what this is like. To a man who has two wives, one of the wives is young, one of the wives is old. The young wife removes his white hairs. And the old wife takes away his black hairs. Nimsa comes out that he's just going to be bald because. From this side, he's getting these hairs take out, taken out. From that side, the other hairs, he's left with no hairs. So, he's saying, Rav Yitzchak is saying, you don't let me say anything. Amar lahen, Yehachi, Eim l'chumilsa, the Shavuot He said to them, if so, I'll say something that is fitting for both of you. He's going to give a drasha that incorporates both Agadata and if the fire goes forth and finds thorns, it goes forth by itself. The one who made this fire shall surely be liable. Says the Holy One, blessed be He, it is upon me to pay for this destruction. Shavati, Ani, because I am the one who caused a flame to go forth in Zion. Shnema, as the verse states, Vayat says, Eish Bitsion, and I lit forth a fire in Zion, and its foundations were consumed. And I will build it up in the future with fire. Shenamar, as another Pasik says, the first Pasik was in Echa, this is in Zechariah. And I will be for it. Noam Adonai, the word of God. Chomas Eish, a wall of fire, Saviv, all around. And as an honor, I will be. In, within it. That's the Agarato, Shmaitza. What is the Halacha? Pasach Hasov, Beniskimamono. The verse initiates describing torts of financial damage. It says, Eish, Mutzah, Kotzim. And then it concludes, Vesim, Beniske Gufo. Rashi says, "Beniske gufo, v'siyem beniske gufo, shekaro ma'avir It's 
it sounds like it's direct. That he's, he's not just sending forth a fire, but he is called the one who has lit it with his hands. A damage caused by his body. Which indicates to us that the liability for fire is like liability for arrows. If somebody shoots an arrow, we don't say the arrow did it. It's him. He shot the arrow. So when the fire damages that he started, we view that as his arrows. It's as though he did it with his own body. It's considered a direct damage. And David desired, and he said, Me, Eshkeni Maim, who will give me water to drink? From the cistern in Beislechem, Asher Bashar, that is in the gate. Vayivku, Shloshes Hagibarim, and broke through the three mighty soldiers, warriors, Bemachne Plishtim, through the encampment of the Philistines, Veshov Maimibar, Beislechem, and they drew forth water from this cistern in Beislechem. Asher Bashar, that was in the gate. Vigome. Pasuk says, Vayisu Vayaviu el David. They carried it and brought it to David. Veloava, Veshtosam. And he didn't want to drink them. Vyasechosam Hashem. And he poured them forth before God. The waters. My kami boile. What's going on over here? What did he want? Amar Rava. What is David after over here? This, this whole Maisa. Rava says, Amar of Nachman, the name of Rav Nachman, he was asking this question we referenced earlier, Machlokas, Rabbi Yudah and the Rabbanon, what is the halacha about something that is hidden? Is the damage caused by fire going to generate liability only for kama, for the things that are standing in the field, or also for that which is tamon, for those which are hidden within it? What is the halacha like Rabbi Yudah who says there is liability for the things that are Talmud, or like Rabbanon, who exempt. And they received the answer, whatever the answer was. Obviously, we don't know what it was. Otherwise, Rabbi Huda and the Rabbanon would agree, one way or the other. He says, what was the story? Different idea. There were piles of barley owned by Jews, and you had Philistines hiding within these piles. And his question to the Sanhedrin was, is he allowed to save himself by destroying the property of his friend? Shalchulei said to him, It is prohibited for a person to save himself with his friend's money. But you are the king. And the king has the authority, the right, to break forth a path. And people cannot protest. Another version. There were piles of barley that were owned by Jews. And as well, there were piles of lentils owned by the Philistines. 
Havu, the Bach says, there were, Vikamibailu, and he asked of them, Maulito Gadishan shall certainly do Israel. What is the Allaha? Can I take these piles of barley owned by Jews? to give as fodder for King David Melchon Snow for my animals. In order to pay them back with the piles of lentils that are of the Philistines. Shalchulei, they sent to him Chavol Yashiv Rasha Gzela Yishalim Avapish Gzela Mishalim Rasha Even though he has paid back that which he stole, he is still called wicked. So you're not allowed to steal in order to pay back. But you are the king. And as king, you have a right to break forth a path. No one can make a protest. That's that's right. So we have over here a, a few different mahalchim of what David Melch posed as a question and what the answer was. See Rashi on these points. Asher Bashar, Sanhedrin Ziknashar. This story of him asking for water, which is a symbol, a symbol of the Torah. In the gate is Sanhedrin, the elders in the gate. Tom of Eish He was asking, according to one opinion, about something hidden. Is the liability for the damage of Eish extended to that? This happened in the encampment of the Jewish army, and he did, needed to know what was the din. Is their liability for the vessels that were hidden like Rabbi Yehuda, or will they be exempt like the Rabbanon? Gedishin, this Arnhadl, piles of barley were there. Across Samer, this is based on the verse, the verse mentions the plot of the field filled with barley. Melech Peretz, the king, bursts forth, he can burst through the enclosed fields of others in order to make a pathway. And for his, his masses, for, for his population, depends how much is necessary, but the king is entitled to make a large pathway there's no limit. Malaya Sa'arim, filled with barley. Dibrayam, it's a verse in Dibrayamim. Mleadoshim, filled with the lentils. That's a pasta I can say for Shmuel. Tosa says over here, Malahata Atma Maman Khavero. The question being posed is he allowed to save himself with the money of his friend? The question wasn't was not if he's allowed to. Tosa says, of course he's allowed to. The question was, does he have to pay? He says, in order to save his life, he's allowed to. The question was, does he have to pay? Which is not the simple reading of the Gemara. But Tosa is saying, David Melch took his rubber poshet. It's obvious that he was allowed to save his life that way. The question was, does he need to pay? There's a Rashba on this point. 
in Chelek Dalit in Shubas. Simen Yudzayin. Shaltumash Kasafti Ani Perik Akonis Tzonadir. You asked about what I wrote on the chapter of Akonis. Concerning that which is presented as a question there, David Melch asks, What is the halacha about saving oneself with his friend's money? I wrote over there, Shem Tosos, quoting Tosos. David Melch's question was, Is he liable to pay? Not is he allowed to do it. And I wrote further that it seems straightforward that, in, in their eyes, that they were able to do so with intentions to pay and without the knowledge of the owner. And you have a question. Also, why was the response that it's prohibited? They should have said it's permitted to save on condition. The ode and further, the behead Yamru, Sham, they explicitly said over there, Athalpi, Shemeshal, Nikarasha. You see in the next presentation of question that it's prohibited to steal with intentions to pay. So that's the Kasha they asked of the Rashba. Chuva, Mashikasavti, nearly Shupashit. He's defending that which he wrote. He says, it seems to me straightforward. The Karavni Loma, and I almost think that I don't need to write it because it's so obvious. Nothing stands in the way of the threat to life. Except for those three cardinal sins that are mentioned. Consider this. Somebody who's in the desert and dying of thirst. And he found his friend's canteen of water. Should he die and not drink it? He says, as soon as I get to the city, I'm going to find my friend and pay him for that water. And how could you even call this person a thief? And the owner of this canteen is actually obligated to give it to him for free, to help him live. His life is in danger, and the owner of the canteen is not there, doesn't need it. He has to give it to him. We have a, a somewhat similar case of Ben Petura that in Bamatsiya he said if two were traveling, and one of them had a canteen of water, if they both drank, then they both would die. There's not enough water to get them through this desert. And if one of them drinks, he will arrive. Ben Petura says they should both drink. Let them both drink, not have enough water to get to civilization, and let them not see each other die. Let not one see his friend die. That can lo poli, Rabbi Kiva, and until this point, Rabbi Kiva does not disagree. Because the Torah says, "And your brother shall live with you." Your life comes before your friend's life. That's a drasha. He lives with you, but you have to live also. But if there's not 
a risk to the life of the owner of the canteen, then he certainly is obligated to save his friend's life. If so, what theft is there here? Until we describe the case of even if he stole and paid, he's called wicked. We're not talking about the, the case of monetary loss. To save himself in order to pay, that is very straightforward. That's permitted. And that which he did not say, it's permit, permitted to take with condition, intentions to pay. That which he took as, a, as an obvious matter, there's no need for the Sanhedrin to respond, which that was not even a question. And that which it says in the, the Hemshech, in the next part of the Gemara, even though he pays, the one who, who stole it is still called wicked. That's not talking about somebody saving his own life. It's going on the other case. That's talking about stealing the barley heaps in order to place as fodder for his animals. And his intention was to pay back when he got to them with the Philistine heaps of lentils. And that they said also that it's prohibited. He's not allowed to take his friend's money without his knowledge, to save his own money. Even though he intends to pay. That's where they said that's prohibited. Even if he pays back, still called Russia. There's a wickedness here. That's to save money. But to save his own life, that wasn't even a shayla. It's definitely motor. And the whole deal was, does he have to pay? So that's the, the Rashba's defense. Mirok Shitsusi says, I don't think I even have to write it. And Baruch Hashem, he did write it. <laughs> and that's, uh, that is Nifsek and Shulchan Aruch. That he, that, like what Tosa says, that he is allowed, but he does have to pay. Hmm. So he's, he's allowed to save his life with his friend's money when there's reasonable anticipation and ex- expectation that he will pay back.